uh, from the direction of the Lord, I started off the year uh, talking about, you know, uh, bringing God or bringing Jesus on the scene in our life uh, in 219. And that comes from the scripture, of course, in John 14, 21, that uh, on the basis of people who walk in love, Jesus said that he would come and he would manifest himself to those that love him. And so it's to our great advantage to walk in love in 2019. I believe our walk of love is what will set the stage for God to manifest in our lives. How many of you, you're thankful you believe in God, but how many of you want to see God manifest in your life? You know, manifest healing when you need it. Manifest the answers to your prayers when you need it. Manifest blessing when you need that increase in your life. Amen. And uh, manifest deliverance when you're praying for somebody to be set free. Well, he says, I'll manifest myself. And, and it wasn't just, you know, reveal things to you, but visibly show up. And uh, that's the God we serve. He says, if we love him, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to visibly show up in your life. Amen. Amen. And it's going to be to those that love him. Praise God. That's the, that's the basis for it. You can meditate on that uh, verse all 2019. That if you would walk in love, he says, I will manifest myself to those people. Praise God. So we have to, we have to uh, respond properly. We have to do our part. But he's going to show himself. Amen. I believe it will be a year of manifestation and demonstration of God in our lives. Amen. Praise God. We, we serve a demonstrating God. Amen. Praise God. Now, I want you to go with me, if you would, to the book of uh, uh, Little John, First John. And uh, I want to read in verses, uh, chapter 4 and verse 10 and then verse 19, that <clears throat> to, to understand love, or for our understanding of love, it can't, uh, it doesn't start with our love toward God. Uh, our understanding has to start with God's love toward us. And when you understand God's love toward you, then it's more readily and, and more easily done to have love towards others as well as towards him. Can you say amen to that? So, so we have to get an understanding of, of God. How did God love us? God's love toward us. Look at this in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. It kind of sets it apart that in this is love, or here's love. You want to know about what love is? We all have our different definitions of love. You know, I love pizza. I love spaghetti. I love this. I love that. Well, how many of you know that's not exactly what the Bible love is talking about? And so we'll let the Bible define itself. In verse 10, it says this. You want to know what love is, basically? He says, hearing is love. <clears throat> you want to know? You want to find out what, what is really love? He says, hearing is love. Not that we loved God. See, and that's usually when you start teaching on the love of God, people get all uptight because they think, man, I'm going to be under these obligations now to love. Well, you're under those obligations whether I preach on it or not. But <clears throat> we, we think about our obligations. But, but look at this. It points out, it starts us out, not, not thinking about our love toward God, but our, his love toward us. Look at this. Hearing is love, not that we love God. That's not the big deal. The big deal is his love toward us. Amen. 
He says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He loved us. And in connection with that, it says, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, or that sacrifice on the cross that expiated or satisfied God's justice that needed to be settled. He says, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So we can't love one another unless we understand God's love to us. Look at verse uh, 19. Kind of says the same thing. <clears throat> it says, we love him, but you know, it's, it's because it's a response of him loving us. Amen. It says, we love him, why? Because he first loved us. Yes. Right? The, the key, uh, this is really a key in relationships to getting people to love you, is you love them first. Love takes the first step. God initiated, think about this, God initiated love to us to guarantee our response of loving him. Love is the only thing you can do to guarantee somebody else's response. It says, we love him. Why? Why do we love God? I know you all love God. You wouldn't be in church if you didn't love God. You're visibly showing you love God. And you love God's family. You know? You show up, you, you, if you don't show up to God's house, you, you, like, God, I love you, but I don't like your kids. <laughs> right? No, you love God, you should love his family. Right? Could you deal with me if I say, I love you, but I hate your kids? <laughs> I don't like your kids. I don't want to be around, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Uh, no, well, you ain't going to have nothing to do with me then. Right? Well, anyway, that, that's a side thought. <laughs> but we love him, Why? Because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. I know when I was, uh, when I was uh, dating, uh, not other people, but tr- pursuing my wife, I used to get so fearful of being rejected. You know, hope, you know w- would she love me? You know, and I wanted to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. Uh, and, and the Lord showed me this verse. He said, she'll love you if you first love her. And women are born built to respond. Man, you're built to initiate. And if you initiate, they'll respond. But you want them to respond if you don't initiate. You'd be looking for another girlfriend. (laughs) Right? We love him because he first loved us. You want to be a man? Love first. See, that's God's grooming you to be a husband. Because husbands love your wives, what? Even as Christ, what? Who loved first, the church or or Christ? Christ. So if you can't love, you you know, if you don't love like that, you shouldn't be getting married. That's that's the proving ground of your, your marriage. Starts with, can you love first? Can you be like God, love first? See, we're initiators. And the God kind of love working through a man is to initiate. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I don't know how I got off on that. I want you to know it's not in any of my notes, but somebody needed to have that. Right. Praise God. So here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Yeah. If you, if you want, I, I take that to, to mean 
that if you want to put up a model of, well, what is love? Well, it's not finding some human's love and commitment and sacrifice toward God. It's, it's understanding what God did and his commitment and sacrifice toward us. See, that's the beginning or the genesis or the starting point of getting revelation of love. You've got to understand God's love toward us. Praise God. And, and, and if, you, if you'll permit me, I just want to share some of those verses on God's love toward us. Praise God. I want to start out with, if you'll go with me, I want you to really turn and look at these pages. Even though you might know these verses, I, I want you to turn in your Bible or your device or whatever you look on and, and kind of follow along with me, if you would. Uh, in 2 Peter and chapter 3, how, how did God love us? Well, 2 Peter chapter 3 and uh, verse 9 says this, and it might be a little cloaked to understand where I'm headed with this, but look at this. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, <clears throat> as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means all mankind, God, God is, was not willing that anyone should go to hell. God never willed one person to, to go to hell. Not willing that any human being should perish. That word perish is, means suffer eternal damnation and destruction. God was not willing that any should perish. Now, a parallel verse to that is First uh, Timothy 2 and verse 4, where it says, For it is God's will for all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. It's God's will for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What does that say or help us to see of, of God's love toward us? Think of it this way. He was unwilling to live without us. Think about that. When you see those verses, they say it's God's will for all men to be saved and that God's not willing that any should perish. What, what that's saying is it's God's will for, to, to be in a relationship with every human being. And he wasn't willing to live without us. He wasn't willing to live without you and me at some point in time in our past connecting back in relationship to him. Think about that. That's deep. Amen. Tell your neighbor, that's deep. <laughs> he wasn't willing to live without us. Now think about, think about this, this verse. It, it seems like it's just talking about our eternal salvation, but it, it's, it's communicating God's love to us. Think about, think about this verse in the, the context of him having to come to save us from something. You've got you to understand what, what started uh, in the beginning, what he had in the beginning. You know, when he created uh, everything in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, how many of you have ever read the book of Genesis? The first part, it says, and God said, and this, was, this happened, and God created all of creation, all the different animal, plants, and everything. 
all of the physical creation. In verse 25, it said, God looked upon all the work of his hands and he saw that everything he had made and he said it was good. So all the physical creation he labeled good. But then, after he labeled everything in the physical creation as good, he said to, to the Trinity or to the Godhead, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Male and female create them, right? Let's give them dominion in the earth. In other words, just like we have a relationship, let's, let's create these other creatures to have a relationship with us. And then also, they'll have a relationship with one another because they're going to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So, so just like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's a trinity, that's three, so is the human family. You have a husband, you have a wife, and you have children. So we're, what was God, when, when God finished all that creation of the human family and human beings, he said, he looked upon that, and he said, it was very good. Not just good, but very good. What was very good? Human beings in relationship to him and human beings in relationship with one another. That's what he called very good. He called the whole creation good, but then he called human beings, his relationship to them and their relationship to one another, he says, that's very good. That's why we should never put the environment over human beings. Human beings are more important than the environment. Doesn't mean we neglect the environment because he called that good. But that shouldn't be a God over human beings. Because that's good, but human beings are very good. The, the creation should be a servant to the human. Not a human, the servant to the creation. That's a little side thought. But when it says God's not willing that any should perish, what he's saying is, I want back what was lost in the beginning. And I'm not willing to live without a relationship with human beings. Amen. Amen. He was unwilling, think about it personally to you, he was unwilling to live without a relationship with you and you having relationships with others. Isn't that what Jesus said was the great commandment? The great commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. What's he talking about there? He's talking about relationships to God and relationships to one another. He was unwilling to live, think about you, personally, you, without a, rela a personal relationship with you. Amen. I never walked on this part of the stage, thought I'd do it today. <laughs> we built it, we might as well walk on it, right? <laughs> think about that. God's love is, he was not willing for you to just die and go to hell. He wanted a relationship back with you. Amen. And what was he willing to do? He was willing, how valuable were you to him? Well, value is determined by the price paid. Right? What was the, what was the price he was willing to pay? It was the price of his only begotten son who would shed his blood to restore that relationship. 
How far was he willing to go to get you back? I'll sacrifice my own son to restore that relationship. See, the greatest loss in the fall of man was a loss of relationship. So the, the greatest goal in God redeeming us has to be to restore that relationship. For you to get saved and not have a good relationship with God is defeating the whole purpose of why God saved you. He didn't save you just to take you to heaven. He saved you to relate to you every single day. Like he did Adam and Eve. He walked with them. He talked with them every single day. That's how he shares his love with you. It's in that relationship. And he was willing to do whatever it took to get that relationship back. Can you say amen to, to that? He was, I like to just put it, he was unli- unwilling to live without us. Because what if he just scrapped the whole thing and just started a new planet and new cre- you know, critters, new creatures, and new people? Couldn't he have done that? Oh, yeah, he's God. But he was unwilling to live without us. That's the love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's look at this. In uh, Hebrews chapter 2, turn there. Can you tell I'm like a teacher? And I'm, I, I, I kind of like have a methodical way of doing things. You know, that's just the way I'm built. I, I try to do it other ways, but this is how I'm structured, you know. But that's my role in the body of Christ. Amen. You know, I, I preach from my teaching at times, but I'm yes. more than anything a teacher, Amen. pastor teacher. Amen. So, so really to get benefit and extract all the juice out of my gift, you got to follow along. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. What's, what's, what's another you know, how did God love us? Think about this. He came, I tried to put it in some just convenient phrases. He came to where we were to reconcile us. In other words, this relationship is off, but I'm not going to wait for them to get it together even just a little bit to get them to make a step toward me. I am going to do all of the work to reconcile and restore this relationship and go to the point of sending my son to become flesh like them. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about, for as much then as the children, that's you and me, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death, spiritually dying and then physically dying, he might destroy him that had the power of spiritual death and physical death, that is the devil, and deliver them, that's us, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 talks about the reconciliation, showing the heart of God to get us back together. And 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, and all things are of God, not of man. Man didn't have anything to do with the reconciliation. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
We, we're the ones that are supposed to go out and tell other people be the message of reconciliation, be reconciled to God. It says, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing or charging their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, now to reconcile relationships, normally it takes both sides to give a little and kind of meet halfway. Right? When, when a situation's out of sorts, and it's got to be reconciled, there's, there's usually got, people have to, have to make adjustments. Right? Let's get this reconciled. There's usually a give and take. But when God wanted us to be reconciled back to him, he did not require us to meet him halfway. He would do all the work to come all the way to where we were to get us back. All we had to do is accept that act of reconciliation. I want this relationship back, but they have no power to get it back on the right direction. So I will personally invest myself and all of my resources to go to them to get this fixed. Not requiring them to do anything to get it fixed because they can't do it. If he didn't do that, we'd be lost. Talk about going the extra mile. See, he came to all the place where we were to get us back. He wasn't waiting for us to just give a glimpse of turning towards him, acknowledging he exists. He took us, he saw us all in our mess and went all the length of the field (laughs) to get to us. Hallelujah. That reconciliation was all of God and not of man. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. Amen. Aren't you glad he didn't require us to meet him halfway? Aren't you glad it didn't require a little give and take on our end? No, he came all the way to us. Right? He didn't require us to meet him halfway. See, that's the love of God. In some situations, are, to reconcile, it takes one person going all the way to get it connected. Doesn't seem fair. But it's like our God. Can you say amen to that? Let me give you another thought. Go to Romans chapter 5. Is he knew the worst about us He knew the worst about us and didn't reject us. Just think about this. If everybody knew all of the stuff about you, would they still be your friend? All the secret things about your life that aren't bright and shiny, blue ribbon sheep behavior, would they still want to be your friend? You know, the stuff you kind of hide on Facebook that nobody's supposed to see, but we all see what you do and what you're into and what you like and don't like and all that stuff. What if all that was known? Would they still want to be your friend? 
think about this. Romans 5, verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commended his love toward us. God commended his love toward you that while you were sinning, sinning up a storm, sinning the worst, he sent Jesus to die for you. What's that say? That we did absolutely nothing to compel God's love toward us. His love initiated the move toward us. There was nothing within us in our behavior and actions that were compelling him to make a move toward us. In fact, that we were doing everything to, that would be the opposite that would make him want to be around us. We were sinners. But God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. What's that say? While we were, how many of you are not sinners anymore? I, I didn't say you may not be sinning, but how many of you, you classification, you're no longer sinners. Do you know you are a saint? When you got saved, you went from sinner to saint. What's that? You went from sinner to a holy one. Saint simply means a holy one. You're a holy one in Christ. But holy ones in Christ can still commit acts of sin. But positionally, you're no longer under the position of being called sinner. You are a saint. You are a holy one, right? But God loved us while we were yet sinners. Yet sinners. In other words, we weren't acting our best. We were acting our worst. We weren't starting to get things turned around. That would give him hope that he should start initiating a move toward us. We weren't doing anything to be good enough, straightened out enough, or acceptable enough that would motivate him to want to, to save us, do anything toward us. We were, we were yet sinners. But the one who would have the most reason to reject us loved us. You and me. Does anybody in here, you weren't a sinner at one time in your life? <laughs> no, we all were sinners, right? But, but God didn't treat us like we were treating him. That, that, and, and, you know, as people, we can, you know, people can treat us very wrong. People can be ugly and nasty, critical, chop us down, beat us down, say nasty things. But, you know, we don't have to become like them or lower ourselves. Because we got the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you know when you teach on love, it's usually, you know, you're going to, people listen to think about, okay, I, this, these are the obligations, responsibilities I have when people sin against me or offend me. And we address those things, but we, the Word of God also covers the sinning person. Walking in love. That they'll stop sinning and causing the things that make you have to walk in love. See, you don't hear much about that. We always think, always preach on love. You got you to forgive me. You got to love me. Well, you got to stop sinning too. You got to quit doing the things that make it hard for you to be loved. We'll get to that, but that's just not today's message. 
you know, you read Matthew 18, Jesus talks about obligations to forgive those 70 times 7. But before it does that, it talks about the person that's doing the sinning, that you need to go to drastic measures to stop sinning, even if it means cut, cutting your eye out and chopping your hand off. See, we always want people to forgive, but, you know, God's putting an obligation on the person that's doing the sinning, too. See, God is just. Right? So we shouldn't be hearing these things and say, well, you know, you got to forgive me. Well, you got to quit sinning. That's only fair. Right? That's more than fair. You know, if I keep punching, well, you got to forgive me. 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 You better find another friend is what you better do. That's not the kind of person you want in your life. You can, you can forgive them, but just get out of my life. Stay away from me because you are nothing but harm. Right? And I don't have to trust you either. Because you just prove it, prove to me you can't be trusted. You want trust, earn it. Praise the Lord. Amen. I thought that was a great point. You all still with me? Can I give you another one? Look in Ephesians chapter 1. He abounded, his God's love is seen in him abounding toward us, and he was pleased to have us in this relationship. He abounded toward us. He didn't just fix our sin, but he, he it was like a pile on of blessing. He abounded toward us with all of the grace and, and mercy, all the, all the gifts and blessings that, that uh, Jesus purchased for us, he abounded toward us. Ephesians 1 talks about, in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath what? Blessed, Blessed us. Right? That's God abounding toward us. Right? Verse 4 says, According as he hath uh, what? Chosen us. Right? He chose us. From before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, having predestinated us, like pre-planned a life for us. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us what? Accepted in the beloved, right? In whom we have redemption through his blood. He redeemed us. Uh, the forgiveness of sins. He forgave us, right? Verse uh, 8 says, wherein he hath what? abounded toward us. In other words, he, he just, he piled on good things to us. He didn't just forgive us and take us. He piled it on us. He abounded toward us. And if you look in verse five, it says, it wasn't with reluctance. It was according to the good pleasure of his will. He was pleased to have you back. He was pleased to bless you. He was pleased to choose you. He was pleased to accept you, redeem you, forgive you, give you an inheritance. He was happy to do it. Amen. Praise God. It's like not as a last, okay, they're saying, okay, what do I got to do with these folks? <laughs> it wasn't as a last resort. Right. He did, he abounded toward us and he was pleased to do it. Amen. He was pleased to have us. 
Praise God. He was pleased to pick you out. Amen. You're not like, okay, have you ever been in a basketball pickup game, other, some kind of game, and you got to choose sides? Well, you got one guy over here, one guy over here, and you got all the players out there, and everybody's got to choose. And you hope you're not just the last guy. Well, okay, there's only one guy left. Let's get him. You know, everybody's got you get God a place. We got to pick him, right? Yep. And, and that ain't how it was. No. See, you were the top recruit. Each one of us were the top recruit that God chose. The top draft pick. And he was pleased to have you. You're not the last resort. You're not the last pick. Think about that. Think about, feel good about yourself. God was pleased to have me. Hallelujah. I'm not like the last resort team member. We got to let them play because, you know, everybody gets to play. No, 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 no. You're more valuable than that. God was pleased to have you. It was according to the good pleasure of his will. Go over to chapter 2. Every one of these, you've got to really meditate on them to absorb the heart of God toward you. But look in verse chapter 2. It says, um, on point 5, is he wipes out our past, he positions us, and he takes care of our future. He wipes out all of your past. I was thinking about my past. I can't hardly remember Amen. a lot of it. But, but I, I do remember some of the dark times. And he wiped all that out. Yeah. Whoo, Jesus. Amen. I, I had a cousin. I had a cousin that <laughs> we grew up together. We were born a couple days apart. We did a lot of things together when we were younger. And for some reason, he, we did the exact same things. But he always got caught and I never got caught. And all I could ever figure was I had a praying mom that spared me. Somebody was praying for me. Amen. Because he mattered too. Right? <coughs> well, look at this. We, we all had, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Sometimes you don't realize there are spirits behind the disobedience. Yeah. 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 There are spirits that drive the disobedience. Yeah. That's why when you, you are in the position and authority in your home and you don't rule right in your home and use your authority to keep that home protected, Spirits get in there to cause disobedience. That's why you, as the head of your home, you have to be in the right spiritual position because you're, you have the authority and power. Each one of the people there, if they're in Christ, they have authority and power, but you have headship. They don't. So if you, you're, you're not on your game, you open the door to spirits of disobedience to run rampant through your children. Mm. 
and we, we, the good news is you can stop it. Amen. If I can give them place, I can shut the door. Praise God, among whom also <laughs> we all had our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In other words, we were people who deserve God's wrath, but God. Verse 4, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. He wiped out our past. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, made us alive, by grace you are saved, and he positioned us spiritually. Over all those spirits of, of disobedience and the prince of the power there, he put us in a superior position over those who once ruled and influenced our life. And hath raised us up, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but then he took care of our future, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. In other words, from my point of salvation onward, he's going to show me his kindness. God's not through being kind to you. Amen. Amen. And in the afterlife, the life to come, the time of God's kingdom. You know, Jesus has a kingdom and it's coming to this earth. How many of you have ever heard of the millennial reign of Jesus? Thousand year reign of Christ? That comes to the earth. And then after that, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. That's called the eternal state. In that time, from the time, because we're saved right now, our future is taken care of. We got a place in all of that. It ain't over when you just shut your eyes and die. There's something coming. There's something coming. And it's worth living for. Many Christians these days, they've lost sight of eternity. It ain't all over when you check out of here. There are things to come. The life which now is and that which is to come. That means there's a life which is to come. Another dimension of existence beyond what is going on now. Are you getting ready for it? Amen. You should be getting ready for it. Praise God. Today, if you'll hear my voice, it'll help you. Amen. Go, go with me to Romans chapter 8. How, what else shows God's love toward us? God is for us. And he won't stop loving you regardless of your circumstances. Amen. Sometimes when we're in bad circumstances or adverse circumstances or our conditions are, are, not, are less than ideal, we kind of feel bad, kind of feel ashamed, we kind of feel discouraged, we feel overwhelmed, we feel unworthy you know, of being loved. That doesn't stop God's love toward us. Amen. None of those circumstances can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. He's still going to love you in the midst of those circumstances. That's good news. It's not like, you know, when people are in a bad way, sometimes people just shun them. You know, they don't want nothing to do with them. No, God, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad about that? And he's for us. 
Look in verse 31, it says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, God is for you. God is for you. Not, not, if you're, not sin in your life, but he's for you experiencing good goodness, experiencing blessing, experiencing healing, health, strength, peace, wholeness. He's for you. Things working out in your livelihood. He's for you. Things working out in your family. He's for you. Things working out in, in all of your relationships. He's for you. He's not against you. He's for you. You don't have to persuade him to be for you. He's for you. Because of what Jesus did. He's for you. Amen. That, that's like he's, he's, he's got your back. He's, he's on your side. Amen. You're standing here, but he's standing right behind you. He's for you. Thank you, Jesus. And, and when things are going right, when you love him, it says he'll make all things work together for good to those that love him. He'll take all the mixed up things. <clears throat> it could be all things work together. It could be good things. <clears throat> and it could be all the different bad things, all the things going on in your life. He'll make all things work together for your good when you love God. Hallelujah. He gets in the mix. Yeah. Amen. And he makes all things work together for your good. Amen. Amen. You got all the wrong ingredients to make things work out. He just gets in there and he works in the mix. Uh -huh. and it, hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. This thing's going to turn out hard and nasty. No one's going to want this thing. No one's going to want your life because all these things have been mixed together. But guess what? He gets in the mix in the name of Jesus. <laughs> these biscuits are going to be good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Your life can turn out right because God's in the mix. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you're looking at a good biscuit. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Everything else is less. Think about it. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified you. Who is he that condemneth? Well, it is Christ that died, yeah, rather, that is risen, the one who could have condemned you. He's the one that died for you. And has risen again, who is even at the right hand of the Father, who is also making intercession for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? What's the answer? Shall distress? Shall persecution? Shall famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? No, it says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. For we are as, we are accounted as sheep of the slaughter. It doesn't say we are. It looks like we're sheep led to the slaughter, but we aren't. No, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And Paul says, for I am persuaded. Man, 
In other words, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No person dealing bad towards you, no circumstance that you find yourself in can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He's going to keep on loving you. He's going to keep on being for you. Hallelujah. But are you convinced of it? See, if you don't go home and allow these scriptures to convince you, take these scriptures and re-meditate them. Revolve them in your mind. Think them. Say them over again to yourself. Put your eyes upon them. Say the scripture out loud so your ears hear them. See, that's how you get it deposited in your heart. See, church can give you stuff that hits your head, but it's got to drop down into your heart. Yes. Yes. Amen. So many of you come to church and you, you, it hits your head, but you never chew it long enough to digest it. What if you just put food in your mouth and you just chewed it, but you didn't, you didn't really swallow? You're not going to get any nutrition. You got to eat it. Tell your neighbor, you got to eat it. The last point is God won't give up on us. God won't forget us. And God won't forsake us. He's committed. God's love to you is seen in him being committed to your growth, your maturity, your completion. He'll never, he'll never abandon the process for you. You can only walk away from the process. See, the, the, he's on, there's a pro- process of development, and he's on that path. The only way it stops is you get off that path. But he'll, he'll, he'll stay on it. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this what? Very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you shall what? Perform it. Uh, who is the one that began a good work in you? God. And he's committed to performing until when? To the day of Jesus Christ. That would be when he comes for you in the rapture. Or you go up in the resurrection. He's committed to that. He, you can be, you, can be, you know, I, I've known people that have walked with God. They got off, went way off. They repented. And they came back. And, you know, they're, you know they, couldn't, they can't, couldn't unscramble all the stuff that they had consequences for. But it still didn't change what God was committed to them. Amen. It's like, it's all over because I veered off and I'm done. No, the goal still remained the same. Amen. Develop you into Christ-likeness. Right. And God will work in you to get you back on that path Amen. to make you mature again. Amen. All right. Amen. That's a good God. Amen. It's like, you failed to test your out. Get out. No, 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 no. He's committed. We only hurt ourselves when we walk away. And sometimes that damage can be irreparable. We can scar ourselves. We can scar our soul. You know, something cuts you deep. You know, it can get healed, but you know, it leaves a scar. Why do things that cut yourself? And then you got these scars. 
Amen. Well, the Bible also <laughs> says that uh, or not Ephesians, but uh, Hebrews six ten says, "For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward His name, in that you have ministered to His saints and do minister." That means God does not forget all that you do in service to Him, even though no one else is acknowledging it. No one else sees all the good that you do. Even though you see people who, who aren't doing those things and it seems like they're getting ahead, they, they cheat, you know, and they do the wrong things. But you, you told the line, don't worry about them. God's, God's the one who's the rewarder. And he's not unrighteous to forget. Don't, don't quit doing the right thing because everybody else is going and doing the wrong thing. Ooh, you keep doing the right thing. Right? God's not unrighteous to forget. And guess what? Who's the promoter? God's the promoter. Don't follow your friends off into darkness. Don't follow your family off into darkness. Don't follow your brothers off into darkness. Don't follow your sisters off into darkness. Don't follow anybody into darkness. You serve the Lord. You belong to him. And he will never abandon you. Hebrews 13.5 says, let your lifestyle conversation be without covetousness, love of money, or filthy lucre, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you. That means he'll never desert you, release you, or give up on you. He'll never desert you, nor forsake you. He'll never abandon you or leave you behind. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God has committed himself to a continuous helping relationship. The Lord is our helper. No one else, no human may be around you giving you help. But you're not helpless. The Lord is your helper. And like Isaiah said, the Lord God will help me and I will not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Amen. Hallelujah. This is love, God's love toward us. Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his mercy.